Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a talk from the series, God at Work, the Reformation Doctrine of Vocation, by Dr. Gene Veith. Listen to the full series now on Canon Plus. This, this doctrine of, of vocation is something that I thought I knew what it was. Yes, you glorify God in whatever work you have. Uh, that's about all there is to it. And somebody gave me a book, an old out-of-print book by a Swedish uh, scholar called a Luther on Vocation. And I didn't know how you could write a book about something so simple. Right? It was on my shelf, and more and more books got piled on top of it. But, but eventually, I, I took a look at it, and I opened it, and I was astounded at what I found. Because there's so much to the doctrine of vocation. Things that certainly Luther and Calvin and the Puritans and Christians had known back in the time when Christianity actually influenced the society instead of being influenced by it. And, and yet this whole tradition is almost forgotten, including in churches and traditions that at one time it was a foundational teaching. So the more I got into it, uh, I, I found that point by point, so many of the very problems that Christians have today are addressed by the doctrine of vocation. Um, for issues of how can we evangelize more effectively? How can we influence the culture? But more than that, or, or in a more personal way, uh, problems in the family. So many Christians have terrible problems in their families and don't really know what to do. The doctrine of vocation gives them so practical teachings for, for, for solving those. Um, problems about the, the meaning of life. Uh, I was just last week I was at the Labrie um, Jubilee celebration in St. Louis. Um, Francis Schaefer started Labrie and uh, it's a 50-year anniversary so I was speaking that and also covering it for World Magazine. And I talked to uh, one of the leaders of Labrie in, in uh, Sweden. Of course, the Swedish people have gone further away from Christianity than, than the, the, even in, in this country. And I was asking him how it's different in ministering to people today from that very secular society. They said that young people today don't ask the big philosophical questions like they used to back in the 60s and 70s when Francis Schaeffer was really going with Labrie. You know, why am I here? What's the meaning in life? And so on. He said, but they're very involved with what is the meaning of my profession? What do I do with my life? What, what do I do about problems in my relationships? I said, those are the key points that Labrie takes to try to get people into thinking of the biblical worldview. And that's vocation. 
Okay, that's quotation. So, um, let me tell you what vocation is now that I hope that I've shown you I'm going to solve all your problems uh, today. <laughs> but well, once you get vocation, it does change. It gives you a paradigm shift. It gives you a different way of looking at, at your life because the doctrine of vocation is really a theology of, of ordinary life. What we do... Uh, in the in, in the mundane world that we spend most of our time in, because it brings God into every part of life. So let me first set out what the doctrine of vocation is, and then we will I'll talk about what can go wrong and what does go wrong in in our different vocations, and uh, talk about vocation in the Christian life. And as I do, I'm going to be raising lots of questions. I need to talk some about finding your vocation, and I'll try to fit that in. But the things that I don't, we'll talk about them in the question and answer period. So be sure to, uh, if there's something you want to ask, make, make note of it. So, what is the doctrine of vocation? Uh, the best place to start is something that Luther said. Again, Luther being a theologian that really developed this, I think, more than any, although it's a, it's a very biblical doctrine. Uh, he says, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day our daily bread. Right? And he does give us our daily bread. But how does he do it? He gives us our daily bread through the vocation of the farmer who grows the grain, the miller who grinds it into flour, the baker who bakes it into bread, and we would add the, the, tr- the truck drivers who haul it uh, from the farm, the factory workers who process it, the supermarket warehouse people, the lady at the checkout counter, the, the waitress at the cafe who brings our meal, the, the hands that prepare it, all of those God uses to give us our daily bread. Right? And all of our needs. In fact, you have the whole economic system when you start adding in the bankers who are loaning the farmers money so they don't go bankrupt and the the, the, the the whole economic system. But before we have our meal, we thank God for our meal and we're right to do so. But God works to take care of our basic needs, our basic physical needs through people, through vocation. Another example from Luther. Um, he said, if God wanted to replenish the earth, he could have just made as many people as he wanted from the dust, just like he did Adam. He made Adam, he could just make as many people as he, as he wanted. But instead, God chose to do the most amazing act of creation ever, something so miraculous that we... Something, 
Sometimes forget how miraculous it is to bring new life into the world through the vocation of mothers and fathers, husbands and wives. In other words, through establishing the family. And it's by means of the family that God creates new human beings, new immortal souls. And God takes care of little children and helps them grow and helps them learn. He cares for them through the vocation of their parents, primarily, as well as others, teachers. And He could have made everybody automatically smart already knowing everything they need to know in their life. But instead, the vocation of teachers is how he brings knowledge to, to, to people as they, as they grow up, whether it's in a school or homeschool situation. Now, the doctrine of vocation, the first thing you have to get about it is that it's about how God works through human beings. how God works through human beings. A lot of times we, we think, well, it's what we have to do in our different jobs and in the family and all these other things. Well, that's part of it. That comes later. But first of all, understand that it's God working. Now, the word vocation simply is the Latin word for, for calling. For calling. And the idea is that God calls us to certain tasks, to certain relationships, to certain people that he brings into our lives. Um, Some theologians say that we should save the word vocation for Christians because, you know, Christians have been called by the gospel into faith talk about that a little bit more later. But still, um, you know, the donut that you ate today, the, the daily bread that you had before we got started, uh, was that a Christian farmer who grew the wheat that went into that donut? I don't know. I hope so. But in a sense, it doesn't matter because God uses even non-Christians to give us our daily bread and to provide all of our needs. The doctrine of vocation has to do with God's kind of providential workings, how he runs the universe and how he takes care of, of, of his people and even the non-believers. And he also gives food and takes care of. So sometimes you have different words for it. Um, um, Again, if you want to reserve calling or vocation for Christians, there are other words that apply to non-Christians. Office, uh, estate, uh, station. Um, There are other terms for it, but I'm just going to use vocation for for all of it. Uh, Keeping in mind, though, that Christians know that we have a calling. uh, And and non-Christians sometimes are part of God's order, but they don't know him, or they rebel against him, and yet God nevertheless can use them too. 
the doctrine of vocation is about something that we sometimes forget, uh, that God works through means. Sometimes we expect God just to, to, to zap things into, into happening. And he does that sometimes. He gave daily bread to the Israelites without vocation. Uh, he gave them the manna. All they had to do when they're in the wilderness is just go out and, and, and pick it up off the ground. He could do that today. But he has chosen to give us our daily bread through, through vocation. Uh, we see how God works in spiritual matters through means. Uh, through his word, a, a book on, you know, printed with ink on paper. Okay, he uses this physical thing to communicate himself to us. Uh, he works through, uh, the reformers talk about the sacraments as, as, as means that God uses, uh, the water, the baptism, the, the bread and wine of, of the Lord's Supper. And he works through vocation in spiritual kingdom. Again, he teaches us his word through pastors, through their sermons. God's voice uh, is, is there as his word is being expounded and unfolded. And the pastor and the elders and everyone in the church take their part in helping us grow uh, spiritual and in our faith. And God works in the earthly kingdom as well through vocation. Well, certainly through the natural laws, certainly through his creation and how he sustains the creation, his providential control of everything. Then he works through vocation. Uh, again, we talk about how God feeds us with farmers. Uh, God protects us through um, our legal system through the police officers, firemen, through our military. Romans 13 talks about the purpose of government is to protect innocent people. And so, that's, that's one way that God, uh, that God works. We'll look at Romans 13. It deals very closely with kind of how God works in vocation. Uh, notice how he heals us. When someone is sick, we pray for them. Right? And we pray that God would heal them. And a lot of times God does heal them. Notice the normal way God works is through means. So, how does He deliver healing? How does He use vocation to bring healing to someone? What are some vocations that God works through to do that? Yeah, through doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists and pharmacists and the whole healthcare professions. Now, a lot of Christians only accept God's healing if it's a miracle, if it's done without means. And God can do that, and He still does, and that happens. I really believe that. But the normal way He brings healing is through vocation. And when someone that we has been sick and we prayed for does get better and is healed because they've gone to the hospital and taken medicine and now they're they're better. 
we must thank God for that and see that God is the healer. God did heal that person. And that he did that through vocation. So God teaches through teachers. He creates beauty by artists, musicians, people that he's given special talents to. You see a beautiful work of art. We should praise God for that. We don't praise the artist, and that's fitting. But who gave the artist those gifts and the talents to do that? Who created color and form so that it has the impact it does on us? God. And God works out his, his, create, his creativity through vocation. Uh, he gives us the blessings of technology to make our life easier through scientists and engineers, factory workers. Yet we're to see every, every blessing that comes to us, everything people do for us, comes from God's hand. And it does it through vocation. Uh, Luther went so far as to say, vocation is a mask of God. A mask. Okay, it's like, like you know, there's, a, there's a Halloween mask, and God is behind that mask. So when we go, uh, you know, go, go to a restaurant and, and we, we make our order, and somebody brings our food out. To look at the person who's serving us as somebody that God is using. God is hidden behind, behind her. It's an amazing thing. Again, when you talk about hiding, that's a way of talking about presence. Uh, if a little kid is hiding in the room, that means we don't see him, but he's there. And the idea that God, similarly, in his providential working, is hiding in, in all of the good things that people do for us. Uh, Luther said that, that God milks the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. Okay, looking at the most humble position in that time, the, uh, the milkmaid that milks the cows. God is doing it. Through her, he's hidden in the, in the milkmaid. And so when you realize that God is ministering to us, in all the, in the ordinary parts of life, people doing things for us, people that made our clothes, the people that uh, you know, package the food at the grocery store, the people that are doing our parents and our uh, family members that are providing for us, the, the first thing you get when you first understand the, the doctrine of vocation is just how close God is. And also to appreciate other people. And to appreciate other people as, as being used in very ordinary ways by God to take care of us out of His, out of His grace. Now, the other side of the coin to vocation is that we are masks of God. 
that God is hidden in us. When we just go about our everyday humdrum lives. But God is actually using us to accomplish His purposes. Whether it's in our families, on the job, in our workplace, in our relationships. Now, according to Luther, our vocations are multiple. We have many vocations. And we have several kinds of vocations, four major kinds of vocations. Uh, Notice that the word vocation is one of these theological words that's been taken over by the world, drained of its theological meaning, and it just becomes another word. Um, You know, inspiration. Theological word for how the Holy Spirit inspires uh, the Scriptures. Now, you know, every ad agency, you know, somebody has an inspiration for a new product. Uh, Mission. Mission of the church. Uh, now every business and corporation has a mission that they try to do, a mission statement that they follow. Um, vocation is like that. It's a very rich theological word, and now we just think of it as meaning job. It's the synonym for your job. And so we have vocational training, which means just job training. And Okay, actually, our job is part of our vocation. But you need to understand the, 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 the richness of the term, and then you'll see what that says to even about you know, the jobs that we, that we have to perform. But the fact is, we have four major vocations, or, or callings. Uh, we have a vocation in the church. Okay, and this is fundamental. Uh, we have been called to faith. The gospel has been proclaimed, and the Holy Spirit lets us hear that that call. And so, the gospel calls us into relationship with Christ. Okay, so we have a vocation in in the church. Uh, again. Being called by the gospel, and when that happens, we're we're put in relationship with other Christians. Um, again, God could just let us all be by ourselves in our relationship to God. In fact, some Christians—that's how they think of it. They don't think they need the church. Um, it's just me and Jesus, and that's all they care about. Uh, and yet, God calls us into a church because He wants us to interact with other human beings. And in the church, again, notice the the the, the callings. We have different things that we do, different things that we contribute based on our you know gifts and interests and abilities and opportunities that come our way. Again, some are our pastors, and they. Have their vocation, their calling. Well, a church calls a pastor, right? And that's the terminology we use. That's part of the doctrine of vocation. The church calls a pastor, and so that pastor is authorized to 
exercise leadership in the congregation and to teach God's word and uh, proclaim the gospel and so on. Uh, and again, there's so many other different things in the church that need to be done. Certainly the elders. Uh, that, 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 that's, a, that's a calling within that church. And the other things that people do in the church, uh, from you know, handing out bulletins to set up chairs, putting the food out for the, the dinners, uh, uh, playing the, the, the organ, uh, singing in the choir to help other people, the other Christians, uh, worship with music. Uh, all of those are very important. And it's a, it's a model of how different people bring their different gifts and use them for the good of all. Uh, so we have a calling in the church. We have a calling in the family. Luther saw this as very foundational. Uh, even those who are not Christians still brought into the world through a family. And even in the family, a person may hold different offices have different vocations. Um, husband and wife. Marriage is seen as a calling. It's part of the doctrine of, vo- of vocation. Um, husband and a wife. Uh, perhaps they have uh, children. And being a mother and father, that's a vocation. Being a parent is a high calling from God. Uh, Luther says that even being a child is a vocation. So, so being being a little kid is, is that is that kid's job at that point in his life. And little kids do what little kids do. Um, we'll, we'll talk about these in, in more detail. Notice that one individual may well have all of those callings. In other words, a man may be a father to his kids, which has a distinct responsibilities and duties and things that go along with that. And he also has the vocation of being a husband to his wife. And that has another set of responsibilities and and relationships and, and things that go on with that. And at the same time, if his parents are still living, he still is the child. He's the son of his parents. With all the obligations and duties and relationships that go along with that. And then you can throw in, you know, grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and and all the relationships of the family that, that God has brought us to. Notice we didn't choose our families. Um, we, we, are, we, we find ourselves in a family and we understand that as being God's, God's gift, God's calling to us. So, we have a calling in the church, we have a calling in the family, or actually various callings in the family. And of course, even those who aren't married still are part of the family where they were brought up. Um, and there's the extended family. Even even an orphan has, uh, if if a person has been adopted, then they've been 
brought into a family. Um, so, we have a calling in the church, we have a calling in the family, we have a calling in, in the workplace, which is what we mostly think of in terms of vocation. And we'll spend a lot of time on this, but the different ways that we make a living are part of our, our calling. Uh, these callings maybe change through the, through the years. Um, we have a calling. Um, one point about calling is we have a calling in the here and now. There was a lot of my students used to, they're training for a calling. You know, they're studying to be uh, accountants or something. And that's what they're, they're looking for. But right now, they have a calling. Um, they may be working at McDonald's to put their way, put themselves through school. Okay, that's a calling. Okay, that's a vocation right now and should be honored as such. Uh, of course, their main calling, I tell them, is to be students. And the proper work of being a student is to study. <laughs> so we often put away our, our calling in the, what we're going to do in the future, whereas actually we have a calling right now. We'll get into these things later. Um, and even in the workplace, certainly our callings are also multiple. Uh, the Bible talks about masters and servants. They're bosses and people have to do what the boss says. And we'll look at some of these scriptures. Um, but notice that even in, in a particular company, a person may be both a servant and a master. In other words, there may be somebody in a company who does have people working under him. And scripture talks about how the master should treat those who, who are under his authority. That same individual, though, probably also has a boss. And so to that boss, he's a servant. And the Bible talks about how servants have to treat their masters. Even the head of the company is, is a servant to the board of directors or to the, the stockholders. Okay. And again, as you look at the different things that you have to do in a particular job, there, there are all of these different obligations sometimes click in. And finally, we have a calling as citizens. We have a vocation as citizens to these culture, to the nation, that, that God has, has put us in. So citizenship is a vocation. A lot of Christians think, oh, we shouldn't get involved with politics. Oh, it's, it's all the devil anyway, and we should just stay apart and be pure. Well, again, that goes against the doctrine of vocation. It says we are to be in our communities, in our societies. We are to live as Christians to try to improve and bring justice and, 
and, and righteousness into our world where God has placed us. Uh, in other words, where vocation is a station. And that's a kind of a nice way to think of it. Uh, the idea that God stations us. He, he puts us different places. And that's our station. And that's where we are to, where we are to live out our life. Uh, some of you are in the military, probably. Um, you know how that goes. You're stationed to a certain uh, post, and that's where you do your duty. Well, God does that. He stations us in our church, in our family, in our in the workplace that He's assigned us at that time, and He stationed us, you know, where we live here. And all of those are arenas for us to live out our Christian life. Now. Here's the key now to vocation. I'm going to give you the purpose of all of these vocations, whether it's in the church, the family, the workplace, in our, in our, in our country. The purpose of vocation is to love and serve our neighbors. Purpose of vocation is to love and serve our neighbors in what we do. Notice it doesn't say serving God in our vocation. It's serving our neighbor in our vocation. Okay. Now, actually, we are serving God in our vocation, but the way he wants us to serve him is by serving others. Uh, Luther said that, you know, God doesn't need our good works. What are we going to do for God? God doesn't need our good works. Our relationship to God isn't based on what we do. It's totally based on what He's done for us in Christ. Isn't it? We don't offer, oh, look at all these good things I've done for you. Look, What we bring to God is, is the blood of Christ that, 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 that covers us. And so when God looks at us, He accepts us for Christ's sake. A relationship with God is totally based on His grace. So, but Luther's point is that God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. Our neighbor is in need. Our neighbor needs things we can, we can do for him. And what God wants us to do to serve Him is, is to serve other people. Uh, again, in, in Luther's time, you know, he was up against the uh, medieval Catholic idea that we are saved by good works. And if you're really going to be spiritual, you wouldn't get married. You wouldn't have kids. That's unspiritual. You wouldn't have a job you would devote yourself totally to God. And you would leave the world and become a monk. 
or a nun or the holiest thing you could do would be to be a, a, a hermit or a, an, an anchoress if you were a woman. And those are the most impressive. Uh, if, if you're an anchoress, I was reading about one of them, a very fine writer. Uh, she was, she totally locked herself up in her in her little cell, in her little room. And people would bring her food and slip it under a special little little opening in the door. And she was totally by herself, so she could devote herself to prayer and spiritual exercises and things like that. And that was how she was going to be really pure and, and, and religious and becoming so holy that she was going to really earn a good place in heaven. Well, Luther said, okay, to his opponents, you say that we're saved by good works and the works that you talk about are all these rituals and all of these things that you do, but who are you helping? How is this good work even good if you're totally isolating yourself and not having anything to do with anybody else. Whereas the Bible talks about, uh, you know, the, sums up all of the teachings of Scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So again, our relationship to God is based solely on Him and on His grace and on what He's done for us in Christ. But then He sends us out to our neighbors. And it's in loving them and serving them that is what God asks of us in the Christian life. And the way we love and serve our neighbors primarily is in vocation. Uh, again, you have that amazing uh, text where our Lord talks about uh, and He comes in judgment and separates the sheep from the goats and he says, uh, you know, inasmuch as you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. He's talking about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the, the sick, and so on. And the idea that just as God is hidden in vocation, Christ is hidden in our neighbor. And so that when we do things for our neighbors, Christ sort of counts that as if we're doing it for Him. And so we are serving Christ in our vocation, but uh, even at the time, people didn't realize it. They didn't realize what He was doing. Uh, you know, we never saw you do that. They, they just saw somebody in need and took care of them. But it doesn't matter because that's how Christ how Christ sees it, how he treats it. So, we, we, we talk about our cons in the church, in the family, the workplace, and in the, in the nation. Luther also talks about a, a general estate where we just come across somebody like the Good Samaritan seeing somebody sick on the road. And so, there, there are cases where neighbors come into our lives just in the normal course of things. 
But the biggest place that we serve our neighbors is in our different callings. Um, in the fellow members of our church, in the relationship between a husband and a wife, a wife and her husband, in the way the parents relate to their kids, and their kids to their parents, in the neighbors we encounter in our in our workplace, and in, in the service that we that we give to others there. And in the service that we render our fellow citizens. Okay, those are neighbors that God puts into our lives and in our different vocations. They're specific ways that we have of loving and serving them. Uh, so the, the question that you keep asking when you start applying the doctrine of vocation is the Vocation the young, is the question the young ruler asks, you know, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor that I'm to love and serve in this calling, in this situation? Well, let's just run through these and we can see how they, we'll start applying them. Uh, who is my neighbor that I'm to love and serve in the church? Well, again, the other members, right? You're loving and serving. Uh, does that include, you know, fighting with them and making everybody mad? Well, we're, we're to love and serve them. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about ways to do that, uh, and we'll talk about how it can things go wrong. Um, in the the family, who is the in marriage? Who is the husband's neighbor that he's to love and serve? Yeah, his wife. Okay, who's the wife's neighbor in that particular calling? Yeah, her husband. Now, in marriage, it's kind of easy. You only have one neighbor that you've got to, to, to love and serve to have all these others. Uh, but yeah, to love and serve your wife, love and serve your, your husband. Uh, in the vocation of parenting, who is your neighbor? Your, your, your kids. One of the greatest Luther quotes of all, and he has a lot of them, Luther said, uh, a mother changing her baby's diaper is doing a holier work than all the monks in all the monasteries. <laughs> changing the diaper? Oh, you've got to do it, but it's kind of uh, repulsive. And Is that holy? nothing holy about it. Yeah, there is. There really is. Because when a parent changes the baby's diaper, you're loving and serving your neighbor in your calling that God has given you. You're caring for that child. And, and to God, that's holier than all of the you know, made-up things that we come up with to try to get in good with God. Yeah. Um, in our work, who are our neighbors? Here it opens up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your customers, the people that end up with your product, 
um, which means that you're going to make the product, or you should as a Christian, make the product so that it's good and actually helps the person who's buying it. You know, that rules out, you know, shoddy workmanship and um, certainly cheating and things like that. Um, we'll get into, you know, when we talk about sin invocation, some of the things that can happen. Um, you have other neighbors in the wor- uh, workplace too, don't you? Uh, your fellow workers, you know, the people that, that work with you, and you have really rich interactions uh, a lot of times with them. They're your neighbors that you're loving and serving there. You know, your bosses, you love and serve your boss. The people, if you're a boss, the people that work for you, what are you supposed to do? Uh, drive them with a whip and uh, get everything out of them without paying them what they need. No, you're to love and serve them. That's the boss's vocation. Love and serve your your employees. Um, in the realm of the of the state. Again, who's our neighbor that we're to love and serve? Yeah, everybody, our fellow citizens. We want the best for our for our country, and we should work to try to make this a better place. Uh, no, we're not going to solve everything. Yes, we're going to have we're going to get shot down a lot of times, but we we have a calling, a, a, an obligation to to do good for for our fellow citizens. Uh, we have rulers and subjects. They're our neighbors, our, our rulers, the people over us. We, we're to love and serve them. Uh, the ruler is also to love and serve his neighbors, namely the subjects. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about where this goes wrong, but the ruler is not called to oppress people or to be a tyrant over people. God never, what's, God never calls anybody to do that. He calls them to love and serve his neighbor in a particular way. And Romans 13 talks about protecting them. So, as we get into this, not time to, to quit. We'll we, we'll keep coming back to to the neighbor, okay? And how it is that we we serve our neighbor in the particular work in the particular calling that God has given us. So, all right, let's, that's, that's a stopping point. Uh, again, when we get back, we'll get into sin and vocation. And, and I will get into finding your vocation, because I know a number of you are in, in situations where you're wondering what you're going to do with your life, especially those of you who are students. Uh, some of you are in career changes, I hear, right now. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully give you some, uh, some, some, some advice. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the full series, God at Work, The Reformation Doctrine of Vocation, by Dr. Gene Veith. Available now on Canon Plus. Mm-hmm.